Hi, everyone, and welcome to Val Talks Pets, the forum for pet parents and enthusiasts alike. Having been in the pet industry for over 10 years now, I am going to share with you issues and questions that arise as I work with pet parents on a day-to-day basis. I am not a veterinarian, but I do have certifications in canine, feline, small animal, fish and herptile, and avian health and nutrition from the University of California, Davis Extension. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining me on this episode of Val Talks Pets. Last episode, I talked about how intelligent our pets are. When thinking about the amazing intelligence of service dogs, for example, I started thinking about other roles that animals play. And if that isn't a hint, I thought about animals in the arts, like television and movies. There are actually a lot of animal movies where a particular animal is the feature of the film. But I thought I would start this exploration into animals in the arts by looking at television. There really is a history to animals in television shows, and I wondered how these animals came to actually be performing in a recurrent role for a television show. So... With no further ado, let's take a look at our favorite animal featured television shows through history. I thought I would start with one of the earliest and most famous TV dogs, and that is Rin Tin Tin. The original Rin Tin Tin was actually a movie star. According to Wikipedia, He lived from September 1918 to August 10th, 1932. I've seen many photos of the original Rin Tin Tin, and he was a beautiful male German Shepherd. Apparently, he was born in Fleury, France, rescued from a battlefield during World War I by an American soldier. Lee Duncan, the soldier, nicknamed Rin Tin Tin, Rinty and trained him, soliciting for any role in movies, no matter how small, and eventually obtained a silent film job for Rinty. Now, the history of the original Rin Tin Tin through film is quite extensive, but it is the legacy I'm looking at right now. The Rin Tin Tin legacy was made into a television show called The Adventures of Rin Tin Tin, and it aired from October 1954 to May 1959. Set in Arizona at Fort Apache, little boy Rusty and Rinty are the only survivors of an attack on their wagon train and are adopted by the 101st Cavalry, where Rinty is commissioned as an honorary corporal. For 164 episodes, Rinty and Rusty helped the cavalry and the people of Mesa Grande to establish order in the American West. According to Wikipedia, three different German shepherds were used as the titular character. Rintin Tin IV and one other dog were descended from the original Rinty of movie fame. The other dog used was an unrelated dog named Flame Jr. 
Now, in this case, the apple did fall far from the tree because due to Rin Tin Tin, the force poor screen performance, the character was mostly performed by Flame Jr. But the show was fun and exciting for its time, and it wouldn't have even been a show if it hadn't been for Lee Duncan and the shepherd he saved from the battlefield back in World War I. To this day, whether you have seen any old movies or the old TV show, the name Rin Tin Tin stands out as one of the most stalwart examples of a canine in the arts. Not just dogs were stars in TV, but a horse became very famous in his TV show called Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed was about a talking horse, and it was based on a series of children's books by Walter R. Brooks. Mr. Ed, according to Wiki, was a palomino played by a gelding named Bamboo Harvester. He was voiced by a former Western film star named Alan Lane. The show aired from January to July in 1961 and then switched networks and aired from October 1961 to February 1966. Mr. Ed's owner on the show is Wilbur Post, who is a rather klutzy architect. According to Wiki, many of the program's gags follow from Mr. Ed's tendency to talk only to Wilbur. His mysteriously well-cultured essence, his rapscallion tendencies, and his precociously human-like behavior that far exceeds anything those around Wilbur expect of a horse. So, of course, people hear Wilbur speaking to Mr. Ed and wonder if he's lost his mind, and things ensue from there. The interesting thing about Mr. Ed is that it was never actually addressed as to why this horse could talk, and only Wilbur could hear him. In the first episode, when Wilbur expresses an inability to understand the situation, Mr. Ed offers the show's only remark on the subject, don't try, it's bigger than both of us. And that was it. Now let's look at the star himself, Bamboo Harvester. Bamboo Harvester lived from 1949 to 1970. He was an American saddlebred Arabian cross. Now this is the interesting part. Bamboo was trained by Will Rogers' protege, Les Hilton. In 1968, two years after the cancellation of Mr. Ed, at the age of 19, Bamboo began to suffer from a variety of age-related ailments, including kidney problems and arthritis. Bamboo crossed the Rainbow Bridge in 1970. During the Mr. Ed run, a second Palomino named Pumpkin had been used for still shots and some personal appearances. He lived until 1979 and became unofficially known as Mr. Ed after Bamboo's passing. And of all things, apparently Bamboo's passing is quite full of controversy. 
It was thought that bamboo died from an inadvertent tranquilizer, and it became a controversy that this horse was not the real bamboo harvester. Another story says he was actually euthanized. Apparently, we will never really know the truth. Okay, moving on to another famous animal TV personality. How many remember Flipper? Flipper was about a bottlenose dolphin who was a wild pet of a chief warden at Coral Key Park and Marine Preserve and his two sons. It aired from September 1964 to April 1967. The show was actually a spin-off from the movie Flipper from 1963. According to Wikipedia, Flipper was portrayed by several female dolphins because females are less aggressive and don't have the scars and disfigurements many male dolphins have from altercations. Interestingly, the five female dolphins performed in all scenes except the tail walk. A male dolphin named Clown was brought in for this as the females had difficulty mastering this act. And this is so funny because Flipper would talk to the boys or to the dad, Porter Ricks, and he would have that dolphin ah, 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 sound. Well, it turns out that sound was actually a doctored song of the Australian kookaburra bird. Flipper was able to communicate with head nods and shakes and chattering to let the Ricks family know about missing people or bad people to create a real hero in the character of Flipper. Now, this is quite interesting. The head trainer of Flipper, Rick O'Berry, became a world-renowned animal activist after the death of the dolphin that portrayed Flipper most often. O'Berry stars in the Oscar award-winning documentary The Cove, which features dolphin capture and captivity. Moving on, not everyone will remember this show, but we certainly got it in Canada. And that was Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. Skippy was made from 1966 to 1969 and broadcast from 1968 to 1970. At the height of popularity, Skippy was broadcast in 128 countries to an audience of over 300 million viewers. According to nsfa.gov.australia, the adventures of Skippy and 10-year-old Sonny took place in the Waratah National Park in Sydney. Skippy and Sonny would get into all kinds of scrapes, and Skippy could always save the day as she could use her paws to open doors, operate a radio, and pick up all manner of objects. Skippy was played by at least nine different kangaroos. The plot was revealed as Skippy being an orphaned kangaroo, and as ASO.gov.australia says, Sonny, the 10-year-old boy character, rescues Skippy from the bush and brings her up as part of the family. It is very clear that Skippy is not a pet, as this would be illegal. She is free to roam the park. 
However, she has formed a strong bond with Sonny and his family and eats and sleeps at Ranger headquarters. Just like the sound that Flipper made, Skippy also had this chick-tick sound. <laughs> Apparently, kangaroos do not really make this sound. So in order to have Skippy talk, they would give the kangaroo something to chew, hence the sound. As nfsa.gov.australia points out, Skippy introduced Australia and its wildlife to the world. The show carried strong environmental themes about protecting the bush and its inhabitants and also featured and portrayed Australia's first peoples in a positive light. Our next TV animal is Gentle Ben. Gentle Ben was first introduced in a novel for children. Gentle Ben was a bear who adventures with a boy named Mark Wedlow. The series aired from September 1967 to August 1969. The producer of Gentle Ben, Ivan Tours, was also the producer of Flipper. The series took place in Florida, where Mark's father was a wildlife officer in the Everglades. Several black bears were used to play Ben, but according to Wikipedia, Ben was primarily played by Bruno the Bear. Bruno was their favorite bear to work with because he had a good disposition and a range of facial expressions. The additional bears, as Wikipedia points out, were obtained from Canada or near the Canada-U.S. border because those bears' coats were thicker and more photogenic than those bears located further south in the U.S. The bears were declawed and had most of their teeth removed. And because that just leaves a bad taste, the last comment on the show is that Bruno was said to have passed away in 1980 or 1981. The next famous TV dog is close to my heart, and that is the Littlest Hobo. Now, there was an original black and white TV show of The Littlest Hobo, that was a Canadian show that aired originally from 1963 to 1965, based on the American film released in 1958. But in 1979, the series was revived and ran until 1985. The Littlest Hobo was a German shepherd that appeared out of nowhere in some town and helped whoever was in need at that time. This could be thwarting criminals or saving someone's life. The grateful recipient of Hobo's help would always want to give him a loving home, but Hobo always hit the road at the end of every episode, content to follow his own road to wherever it would take him. I loved The Littlest Hobo. It was filmed in northern Ontario towns, and that just made it even more special. But the dog that played Hobo was my hero. The series used five German shepherds, but the most famous was London. The show always credited him as the starring role. All the dogs were trained by former baseball player Charles Chuck Eisenman. The show itself was by today's standards quite hokey, 
but it became an iconic show for Canadians, embedding its theme song forever in the hearts of those that loved the show. Maybe Tomorrow is the song that comes straight to mind when the littlest hobo is mentioned. I too know it as well. Maybe tomorrow I'll want to settle down. Until tomorrow, I'll just keep moving on. <laughs> My next TV animal star I found to be rather different from the regular hero type animals in the other series is Wishbone. Wishbone was a Jack Russell Terrier that dressed up in costumes and brought to life classic literature. What a concept! Wishbone aired from 1995 to 1997. Wishbone reenacted, to name a few, Romeo and Juliet, Ivanhoe, Frankenstein, Sherlock Holmes, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I mean, it just goes on. According to Wikipedia, Wishbone was played by a Jack Russell dog named Soccer. Soccer was quite famous in commercials and was chosen from 100 dogs who auditioned for the role. Wishbone was considered by many to be one of the most beloved TV dogs of the 1990s. He lived with his trainer, Jackie Martin Captain, um, on the Plano, Texas ranch, where the Wishbone series was filmed and was buried there after his 2001 death. The magic of Wishbone was that only the viewers and the characters in his daydreams could hear Wishbone speak. The characters from his daydreams see Wishbone as whichever famous character he was currently portraying and not as a dog. When you think about it, what a concept. This is an amazing way to introduce the classics to children. If you ask any child who watched Wishbone regularly, they can remember parts of classics like Robin Hood or Don Quixote if they read the books. At the very least, they would definitely recognize the titles and a bit about the plot. Thank you, Soccer, for being such a good sport and a great animal actor. Now, last but not least, no journey through animals on TV would be complete without Lassie. Is there anyone that doesn't know Lassie? Lassie ran from September 1954 to March 1973. As Wikipedia points out, Lassie was an American television series that follows the adventures of a female rough collie named Lassie and her companions, both human and animal. Lassie was the seventh longest running U.S. primetime television series after The Simpsons, Law and Order Special Victims Unit, Gunsmoke, Law and Order, Family Guy, and NCIS. Lassie had some reinventions over time. Timmy was introduced four years in, where Lassie's family took in an orphan. Lassie's family had to move to Australia, and she couldn't go, so she ended up taken in by a U.S. forest ranger and began work with the U.S. Forest Service. Lassie left the Forest Service with no particular explanation and ended up on a ranch for orphaned boys. Lassie was the 
epitome of canine intelligence, empathy, and the ability to pull hearts strings and a few tears. Lassie, although a female dog in the show, was actually played by male collies. From the first film in 1943 to the last episode of the famous TV series, nine different dogs played Lassie. According to news.artnet.com, the reason Lassie was played by boy dogs was that female collies tend to blow coat, so a massive hormone-induced shedding process with each heat cycle. The males blow coats as well, but not as noticeably. The original Lassie was Pal. Pal, according to Wikipedia, retired after filming the television pilots and died in June of 1958. He sired a line of descendants who continued to play the fictional character he originated. Pal's descendants, Meyer and Hey bookended the syndicated run of the Lassie TV series. Lassie set the bar very high for dogs on TV and to this day remains iconic. Well, I think that covers the big names of animals on TV. Of course, there was Hammy Hamster, Cheetah the Monkey and Tarzan, and who could forget Roy Rogers' horse Trigger, just to name a few more. But the amazing animals that I've had so much fun researching really do show how incredible animals can be and how attracted we are to seeing them in the role of hero and educator. Keeping these animals' legacy alive is really a part of honoring their talent. What a better way to show how knowing is caring, but to salute animals in the arts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Val Talks Pets. Please remember to follow or subscribe to ensure that you never miss an episode. To really help the show and to make it easier for others to find, please rate and review each episode that you find interesting and helpful. And don't forget that you can also email me at val at valtalkspets.com with topics you would like me to address or with any questions you may have. Also, check out my website at valtalkspets.com and let me know what you think and how we can improve upon it. Thanks for caring.